Hey there, sit down, make yourself comfortable, and grab a cup of tea. Welcome to the 28th episode of Thea's Tea. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back, everybody. Today, this is the monthly October bonus episode where I answer the questions you guys have kindly sent over to me. For today's tea talk, I am drinking my favorite, you guys. I have made my decision. This is my absolute favorite tea on the face of the earth. It's the cinnamon apple tea from a local brand called La Teresita. And I love it because everything about it is so thoughtful. The packaging, their Instagram is adorable. And the really special detail is that every tea bag comes with a little quote on it. So as I did last time, I'm going to read the quote for you guys. It's in Spanish, so it says, No pienses tanto, deja que la vida te sorprenda. Which basically translates to, don't think so much, just let life surprise you. Which is very beautiful. <laughs> and, you know, I hope that helps you if you're listening to this. I hope that can just be what you needed to hear for your day. Because the thing with these random quotes is that maybe they're just what you needed to hear. And I think that's beautiful. As for my mug, it's this really adorable, tiny, tiny... <laughs> It's pretty small, tiny little cup, and I chose it because, you know, it's a Q&A, so it's a bit shorter, but I'll refill it if it's necessary. And it has got these really cute cats and dogs all over in a bunch of different colors, and I just think it's so cute. It's so fun. So, yeah, I really love it. Let's get right to it. So don't forget that if you want to participate in these Q&As in the future, you can go ahead and follow the podcast Instagram to do so. So our first question comes from Sarah and she asks how to stop worrying or looking forward to things in the future and just enjoying the present. So I think that there are a couple of things that you can do to help yourself with this. The first one is to feel your body in the present moment. If you're sitting on a chair, feel your body sitting on that chair. Feel the clothes against your body. If you're gripping a pen, then feel the sensation of holding that. You know, everything you're doing just... Take a minute to appreciate that and to see and feel and kind of listen to the sensations that your body is going through. So many people say that making this pause in your day-to-day life and just acknowledging where you are, what you're currently doing from the simplest of elements like how your body is positioned can really help ground you and make you feel present and just be conscious and aware of where you are right now. So I've been trying to implement this in my life and I cannot say that I have mind-blowing results as of right now but I definitely hope that this will help me with time as I continue to practice it. But yeah, just being aware of what your body is feeling and what's happening to it in every given moment is supposed to really help you feel like you're in the present. Something that helps me a lot as well is telling myself that the best gift I can give is my wholehearted and undivided attention. One thing that I struggle a lot with is when I'm in a class or just doing anything really, I can start thinking about all the other things I need to do or what's coming up in my life. And I think that's similar to what you're struggling with right now. And then one day I just realized that the best thing I can do for anybody in my life and for myself, regardless of what I'm doing, is to just be present 
in that moment and to be concerned solely on what is happening. If your mind is in a million different places while you're listening to somebody speak or you're watching some type of video or whatever you're doing, it's kind of a disrespect towards that because it's like you don't care about it enough to pay full attention to it. And when I realized that, I felt kind of sad and disappointed. So that made me a bit more conscious of my actions and just when you really realize the impact of what you're paying attention to can have, that'll make you so much more conscious about it and you'll be less tempted to dive away or kind of like move away from whatever it is that you're doing because you're conscious of how worthy your attention on something can be and you wouldn't want to throw that away or give anybody less than they deserve. So whenever I notice myself getting a bit distracted or my mind starts wandering, I repeat that sentence to myself and it really just puts me in line. I let go of my phone, I focus on whatever it is I'm doing and I stop thinking about all the other things that I have to tend to or whatever. It's just reminding myself that all I have is a present and there's a moment for everything. There's a moment for everything I have on my to-do list, but it's not right now. Right now, my only responsibility is to respond to what I'm doing. And the best way for me to do that is ensuring that I only do that. If I'm worried about getting a bunch of other things done, then I won't be able to perform the best at what I'm doing. So I don't know if I got a bit distracted from your question, but to t kind of like tie it back, you owe it to yourself and to those around you to be present in the moment you're living. It's as simple as that. Just focus on doing things step by step and being concerned on what is happening to you right now. In the future, you can worry about all the upcoming things you have, both in the long term and in a couple of hours. But right now, just focus on what you're doing because that is the best gift that you can give. I wanna close off my answer by telling you that the place you're in is totally unique. It's funny because we think that where we're at right now is the entire world. We think that it's where we're gonna be for the rest of our lives, but that is definitely not the case. Even though I'm in the same school, I'm in the same city with a couple of the same people in my life as I was two years ago, my life is completely different. I'm going through completely different things, feeling different emotions, occupying myself with different things. And it, it's like a whole other universe. It's like a whole other life as if I'm a different person because I myself have changed so much. But Two years ago, I thought my life was going to be like that forever or for as long as I could see in the future. Now I am a completely different person and so much has changed. So it's really important to appreciate each different phase in your life, each different year, each different period of time, each different struggle you're going through or the things that characterize different phases or periods in your life because you'll never be there again. And I know it's a cliche, but each time in your life, each frame in your life is so unique and it's really unlikely that all those same it's it's impossible even but all of the events that happen to you and all of the things that happen to you and that come into your life at a specific time are magical because they all come together at once and it creates this really unique scenario for you which you will never be able to enjoy and savor again so make sure that you live intensely in the moment and you acknowledge that you're never going to be in this exact same place again so how would your future self want to remember this as you worrying about a bunch of other different things or living in the moment and living things to the maximum so that's something to think about <laughs> 
Lauda was super kind and she sent over two questions, so we'll be answering both of them today. The first one is, how do you start a conversation with someone you haven't talked to in a while? Now, she referred specifically to people or friendships that have been lost over quarantine, so I'm going to be giving some advice and some tips on how to rekindle that. And it's really simple. You just have to reach out. And I know this can seem a little bit overwhelming, but let's talk a bit about how you can do that. I'm going to be dividing this answer into two parts, whether you want to do that virtually or if you have the ability to do so in person. So if you are thinking about how you can rekindle and rebuild or kind of rescue a friendship virtually, my first tip would be to text this person regularly. I, and my friends will know this, tend to randomly just text people out of the blue and ask them how they're doing, how their life has been, what they've been up to, how they've been feeling, what has changed, and just all of these random questions which make that person feel special, make that person feel important, and make them feel like I care, and it starts up some great conversations because we just catch up. And at first, it was a little bit odd, but I noticed that when people did it to me, I really enjoyed it. So I wanted to start being that person in other people's lives. You can text them one day and be like hey I know we haven't talked in a while I just wanted to check in catch up with you how has everything been and ask them a couple of questions ask them like specific questions that I've been mentioning so that they can get you up to speed in their life and you can talk to them about your life and a bunch of conversations will stem about this because if they're like oh I'm in this debate team you'll, you can start asking them questions about that and you know we'll just branch a bunch of other things and you'll feel like you're more conscious about their life and what's happening to them and at least they don't feel like a stranger anymore you kind of like know what's happening to them and then you can make that more consistent however often you feel like is necessary and just catch up with them ask them about those things they told you earlier if anything new has happened and just kind of like keep that consistent there's a whole dilemma about finding a balance between you texting people and those people reaching out to you and you know if a friendship is equal if both people are making the same amount of effort but honestly I just say that if you miss somebody if you want to talk to them then do so even though they haven't texted you in a while that doesn't mean that you should restrain yourself if you want to just because they haven't. At the end of the day, if they continue the conversation with you and if they take the time to respond to your messages, it's because they still care. So if you have to make a bit more effort at the beginning to kind of like get things going again and make them remember you exist, then I think that's fine and that's worthy and that's justifiable. So long as maybe in the future, hopefully they can get into the same habits and, you know, reach out to you. But in that awkward stage of not letting a friendship die, if you feel like you need to take the first step, then go ahead. There's nothing wrong with that. So also thinking about the virtual line, if you feel more comfortable, then you can even call them or schedule a little video call or just a regular phone call. I personally don't opt for this that much because, I don't know, I get stressed in phone calls and I feel kind of uncomfortable. It depends with the person, <laughs> but if you feel close to them and if you feel like you could keep a steady conversation with them, then you can totally do that. A little bit of advice for this is you can maybe think of some talking points previously and be like, okay, if the conversation dies and I'll ask them about this. I remember that before we started to drift apart, they told me they were having a situation with their family. So kind of like check in on that and just maybe beforehand think about some things that you could go to in case the conversation starts slowing down. But of course, there's so much room for spontaneity and, you know, just letting the conversation flow because those are the best kinds of conversation. If it helps you feel more comfortable and 
in control <laughs> i don't know that's a bit of a tricky concept but if it makes you feel like a bit safer and a bit more comfortable in taking the step then sure think about some things to talk about now for the other part of this answer if you have the possibility to meet this person face to face then i would say it would be a really good idea to schedule some sort of activity to see each other and if you are a bit scared about the awkward silence, then <laughs> life hack, maybe you could plan an activity that doesn't require so much communication where you're going to be distracted doing something else. Maybe you won't have that much time to talk, but of course you will have some time to talk. For instance, like going to the movies because, you know, most of the time you'll be watching the movie, <laughs> but you can still talk like before you go in or when you get out. And of course the movie will generate so many talking points because you can talk about what you just watched stuff like that if you're scared about like keeping up the conversation i think can really really help kind of make you feel more at ease when you meet up with this person again a general tip is to be super confident okay as i've mentioned i feel really flattered when people text me to just catch up and know about me because it makes me feel like they care and that's really important i never feel angry or frustrated like oh my gosh this person is so intense all she does is ask me how i'm doing like i have never felt that way i always feel happy and heartwarmed when people reach out to me and i try to do it as much as i can with those around me so it's a really genuine pure thing that i think will make anybody's day because people really love being reached out to so you got this girl i wish you the best of luck in rekindling your friendships and yeah i just hope it all turns out really really great laura's other question is how to not feel bad for doing badly on a test when it really wasn't your fault so this question refers to a lot of the scenarios when sometimes people or teachers like mess up designing a test and commit some small mistakes which eventually have an impact on you or maybe there wasn't much clarity in the topic or anything that can happen in school where factors which are out of your reach influence you so that you don't perform on your best game. Firstly, I must say that you cannot carry all of the weight. At the end of the day, it is a teacher-student relationship. And sure, sometimes as students, we do fail. And when that happens, we must fully acknowledge it. But when it's something that could be considered to be the teacher's fault, then you got to remember that, you know, that was out of your reach. You could not do anything to change it. And it's already in the past. Not every bad grade is entirely your fault. When that is the case, then you will take care of that and be responsible for that but we're going to be looking at the cases where the teacher did mess up a little bit and we need to focus on making peace with ourselves and stop beating ourselves up because it is illogical so it's important to remember that teachers are human and they do mess up sometimes at some point <laughs> that will happen but it was their mistake it was not yours you need to remember that there were things that were just out of your reach and even if your grade is not what you wanted and you feel angry at yourself because you just want to blame somebody <laughs> for that bad grade then remember that in this situation you did what you could you prepared in the best way possible and for whatever reason you did not obtain the results you wanted but it was not your fault there were other factors that led to this outcome as i've been saying as a student, it is also, of course, your responsibility to study, to prepare for your tests, for your projects, for whatever it is. And I do not want to diminish that in any way. But sometimes it is impossible. If you had a substitute for most of the classes where you were viewing that topic, but then the other teacher designed the exam, you know, stuff like that 
really is not your fault and you could not have controlled it. So it's important for this moment in time to just be compassionate with yourself and make sure that you're really objective so that it doesn't turn into a crutch where you always sort of find that excuse and find a way to blame your teacher. I trust your criteria and I trust that you'll be able to differentiate when it could have been a problem on part of the teacher or when it it could have been a problem more on your side. So if you are totally positive that you know you do not need to take the blame for this and you just want to find a way to make peace with yourself, it's important to first just really be sure and firm in the thought that this was not your fault you know maybe when you've discussed it with a couple of classmates or when there's just common knowledge that this was not the most fair way to evaluate something maybe you've spoken with other teachers or you know that you're not the only one in this boat and you know that you're not the only one with this struggle I think that's a good moment to be like okay I I'm going to be compassionate with myself and I'm going to start taking actions to heal with myself because what happened here is absolutely not my fault at all. So when you're approaching those types of situations, you need to be compassionate, learn from what happened, and then move on. You can't beat yourself up because as I have said so many times, it is not your fault. You did not design the faulty exam. You did not forget to say this important detail in the class, okay? And you cannot beat yourself up for that because it was not in your control there will be more tests or more projects or more assignments or more ways to make up for that grade okay and what i want to say is that there will always be other ways that you can make up for this okay one single test will not define the entirety of your grade at least i hope not (laughs) okay well yeah usually in fair systems in school there are a couple of opportunities at least so make sure that you focus your energy into preparing for that for that upcoming situation so that you can kind of like compensate for what happened in this occasion of course it is important to think about what you can take away from this experience Maybe think about understanding how this teacher phrases her questions and being able to adopt that and to recognize the tricks easier in upcoming tests or really kind of dissect this whole mess and find your way through it and find a solution that you can apply in your life for upcoming scenarios like this. Because who knows, maybe the problem will come up again. Maybe these kind of disagreements between the students and the teacher will come up again. So you need to come up with a way that will benefit you to avoid bad grades again. If you know that this teacher really asks for very specific things and very specific ways to answer then learn about them learn how she likes her answers phrased so that you can give answers with that sort of phrase you know kind of understand the problems and you know i mean at the end of the day it's you and you want to save yourself so make sure that you find a way that you can do that and understand where the teacher is coming from so also i think this can really show us that we should not depend on the teacher sure sometimes teachers mess up but it should also be our responsibility to dive deeper outside of class and make that a constant you know every time we have a test not only study from the material that the teacher gave us but also investigate research watch videos read articles so that we have a broader perspective and if we make that a habit it will ensure that whatever the situation will always be a couple of steps ahead we'll always know a little bit more and that can help us in some way so if you get into the habit of that 
you won't be so kind of like shaken when teachers make those types of mistakes because you'll have extra tools under your belt that can help you in those times of confusion. It's also important to cover the whole concept of knowledge because sometimes tests don't evaluate what you've studied. Sometimes you can just be so unlucky for the test to ask about all the specific areas you kind of skimmed through. And I mean, that's not the best because we should know everything really thoroughly, but hey, sometimes it happens. I'm, I'm not judging you. <laughs> sometimes we're that unlucky. But when that does happen, we cannot conclude that we don't know. It was just a really unfortunate coincidence. We do know things. You're just really unlucky because those things did not come up on the test. We should work harder next time. We should study in a more holistic way next time. But... For now, just realize that you are not completely dumb. You are not completely stupid. It was just this really sad disadvantage, which will be a fun story to tell in the future. But hopefully that encourages you to make sure that for the next test, you study everything with equal rigor. Jose says, I'm really stressed about college. I was already admitted, but I'm not sure this is where I want to be. So this is a pretty serious situation and I think that right now you should just dedicate yourself to an exercise of reflection, introspection, just thinking and really analyzing all the possible implications. So I'm going to be covering a few points which I think could be useful for you to think about, but you know best, you know your situation best, I'm just going to try and guide you a little bit. So the first thing to take into account is probably one of the most obvious, but it is that the college experience right now isn't what it normally is and what it was designed to be, aka something in person, face-to-face, campus, you know, all of those things. So since you started in a virtual setting, the experience could be a bit altered. It probably isn't living up to its full potential because nobody knew that they had to have this system super ready for them to completely go virtual. So a lot of institutions have been having trouble coping with that and you know it's totally understandable. You really can't compare the experience of virtual school or university to present in person. So it obviously is <laughs> a bit of a downgrade but know that that's not the way it will be forever and if you think that once things go back to being in person, you will be able to enjoy the experience, live it up to its full potential and just be really happy, then maybe that's a sign that you should stay where you are and just kind of like push through that rough patch. But if you think that even if you go back, even if you're on campus, you have all of the activities and just the interaction, even if that idea doesn't appeal to you, then it could be a sign that you should look for alternatives. You mentioned the pressure that you felt with your parents because they studied there as well, but just remember this simple sentence which may not seem totally logical right now, but trust me, it is. Your parents want what's best for you. And if that's not in the university they studied in, then that's fine. I am sure that they will be very understanding and they will want nothing but the best for you and for you to be happy. Also, if that isn't enough, remember that they already went to college, they already lived it, and you going to the same university they went to will not let them relive that experience. And sure, they may be excited for you because they have so many nice memories there, and they're glad that you'll be able to experience it too, 
But at the end of the day, like those emotions are oriented towards you. They're happy because you will be living those experiences. But if you want other experiences that make you happy, then they'll be happy. (laughs) I don't know if I explained my reasoning properly. But yeah, you know, your parents have your best interest at heart. And they recognize that they already went through college. And it won't count as a second experience for them if you go to the same place they did because they're already working they've already moved on (laughs) another thing that i want you to think about when making your decision is that if you're ever concerned about time or sacrifices that you made in the past to get where you are today like if you had to make some sort of adjustment or whatever that you already did that should not play a role in your decision time that you already invested and that you will not get back or money that you spent and that you will not get back or changes in your life that you will not get back should not play a role in your decision because when you're making these types of big decisions points the tipping points should not be things that you will not be able to regain you know you already lost that time or that money or those habits Now you have to think of the position you're in now and what is best for you now. You cannot turn back time and avoid making those decisions in the past. You are where you are today and you should not be worried about all those things that you did in the past to be able to get where you are now and think about those things as a justification for you to not take the step you want, okay? If they are things that are already in the past and that you will not be able to gain back, then don't factor them into your decision. It's not worth it. So think about the struggles that you feel like you're having with the place you're at right now. Do you think it's a problem related to the people you're with, to your peers, the other students, or the teachers? Do you think you just have a little bit of almost friction with them? They come from different environments and you don't get along very well. Do you feel like you haven't found your crowd and your place? And you do you feel like you really don't like the people there? Or do you maybe have a couple of friends that you really like but aren't enough to make you stay because you could be able to maintain relationships with them outside of that university if you decide to leave or do you really just not like the way the classes are taught you told me that you really like your major and that you're really passionate about it but maybe the problem could be the way you're confronting it in this university maybe you don't like the focus that is given in the classes or the way the teachers are trying to share this information with you because that is very particular from school to school so maybe if you seek out options in different places you could have different results that you feel like are more compatible with you and remember that there are lots of good universities here there are lots of different options and your major can be found in lots of them so If you are curious and if after you've balanced all of these things I told you and more that you can think of and do take the decision that you would want to investigate other places, then give yourself that chance. Start researching, start asking other people and do what you can to get a more informed view and to make a more informed decision that you will feel really, really happy with. Just do what your heart tells you. (laughs) I believe in you. Our last question comes from Maria and she asks, how does a toxic relationship happen? When I read this, I was like, wow, this is heavy. (laughs) I'm no psychologist. I do not know how minds work, (laughs) but I will give you my response based on what I have seen in my life and what I have learned and my personal opinion, just what I think. So to me, this stems from deficiency or pain or 
unresolved problems that are reflected in this person and that this person kind of takes into their relationship. It's just a bunch of stuff that they have going on within themselves, scars or baggage, <laughs> emotional baggage that they have. And since they have not worked through it, it is inevitable for them to bring it to that relationship and cause problems with it and take back decisions with it. It's just this huge thing from within, totally inside of them, not the other person's fault, that they take into a relationship and since they haven't worked through all of it, they're not ready to share their life with this person. So that person ends up affected. It could also be determined by what they saw growing up. If they grew up in an environment where these types of habits were practiced or where they just saw really unhealthy visuals of relationships that could definitely influence their beliefs and what they think is correct or standard or normal and since they've grown up with it it's pretty hard to interfere with that and it's not the couple's responsibility to fix that it's their it's that own person's job to figure out their problems because the reason these relationships are toxic is not necessarily because the two people were super incompatible because that would just be a normal relationship where they fell apart but a toxic relationship is when a, a person one individual and the couple or maybe even both has all of their own problems which are unresolved and they take out all of that anger on the other person person. So if they see a whole bunch of those relationships or those practices growing up, then it will be drilled in their brain that that is okay and that is what they should strive for. And it's pretty hard to get that out of their head, but it's something they need to do on their own or with professional help. It shouldn't be the partner in charge of that. Another thing that could influence with this are jokes that this person may have with their friends. It is very normalized in our culture to just make diminishing jokes about women or jokes about violence and those types of things and we can't deny it. Even when you do say these things lightly, it could be having a much deeper impact and it could be validating these types of practices. So it's really important to take a look at the language people apply in their day-to-day -day lives because it could represent their deeper beliefs. It could also be due to these people just having really unclear ethics and unclear morals and just getting down to a point where they don't know what's right or what's wrong and not knowing which steps to take to be able to make the best actions that benefit other people. It's just a really big way of disrespect and sure I understand that this person has their own problem but when you're making a decision to get into a relationship you need to be aware of the person you're going to be sharing that with and you need to make sure that you're stepping into it with peace <laughs> within yourself so that you don't kind of reflect that on the other person so it's really disrespectful to just get into this situation and a lot of the time it's unconscious people don't know they have all of these problems within them it's probably also justified by these people thinking that they are more than the other person that they are just worth more that they know more that their beliefs are worth more than the other person's and that they are just so much more valuable than the other person and this is reflected in like every relationship that this toxic person has and i think i'm taking a very serious look on these toxic relationships when they're just these complete tragedies but there could also be a bit more subtle ways of toxic relationships where it's just two people who 
are in really different points of their lives and which are really just focused on themselves and it's maybe not the best time for them to have a relationship. So I'm taking a bit of a look at this more extreme situation, but please remember that there are also like subtle ways that toxic relationships can be manifested. I also think that toxic relationships can occur due to lacks of limits being placed because people maybe don't speak up or don't even realize when bad things are happening so they don't manage to put a stop to it before it gets out of hand so that is what i think may cause some toxic relationships just a bunch of really diverse things but <laughs> i hope my opinion was interesting to you Well, everybody, those were all the questions for today. Thank you so, so, so much for submitting them. Q&As are some of my favorite episodes and they would not be possible without you guys. I really hope this did help. I love giving advice, <laughs> but I hope you guys love receiving it as well and that it can help you make changes in your life for the better. This week, I will not be reading a review or featuring a voice message so be sure to send some in you can leave a review on apple podcasts i have a step-by-step -step tutorial on the instagram or you can send a voice message to the email or through anchor all of this information is in the show notes but yeah you know i feature those things on here and talk a bit about them so if you want to have a little bit of this space dedicated to you <laughs> then go ahead and do so so yeah, I will see you guys on Thursday. Thank you so much for tuning in. Well, that's about it for this episode. I would like to clarify that I am not a specialist. Everything I share is based off of my experience and what I've learned. Don't forget to follow the podcast Instagram at Podcast. I'm very active on there. It's a visually aesthetic platform built with interactive spaces for us. Please tag me on your stories and send me pics listening with your tea. Also, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe. <laughs> Whatever your platform lets you do, it would help me out a lot. Because reviews are the only way I can start growing, getting recommended to new people, and being included in rankings. Plus, I read reviews here, so if you want to be featured, be my guest. Go ahead and spread this episode with any friends or family you think will like it. I would love it for you to share your thoughts on this podcast. You can send me a voice message directly through Anchor or through my email, theastypodcast at gmail.com. You can reach out for business inquiries and set up sponsorships through there as well. Make sure to check out the show notes. There's a bunch of fun stuff listed down there alongside with links to everything I mentioned here today. Remember, you can join me every Thursday for a new episode, including the last one of every month with a guest and an additional bonus Q&A every month. Thanks for tuning in. Have a beautiful week.